Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, I'm delighted as always to be your host. I'm a transformation specialist and I work with retailers as a consultant and an advisor to drive effective transformation initiatives with hands-on support to accelerate progress or strategic coaching and guidance to act as your navigator. I'm here to help you. And if you need to make your transformation a success, then reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn or find my details on the show notes. So today we're at episode 259 and I appreciate you tuning in because you know that over the past few years, digital commerce has grown enormously, but the shopping experience has remained reasonably generic. Shopping from the grid of the PLP and perhaps seeing whatever information is served up to you on the PDP. Meanwhile, We've been talking about omni-channel retail and unified commerce for a long time as well, trying to work out how we can create a seamless blend of physical and digital channels. And augmented reality, or AR, has been one of the key innovations that companies have turned to to help make digital shopping more engaging. And it can also help to blend the channels. But AR can be a gimmick using technology for the sake of technology, right? And in today's episode, we're going to be exploring AR in lots more details. It's a trend that we haven't actually touched on, really. There have been a few episodes, but today we are diving deep into AR. The show notes for today are over at obandco.uk slash 259. And I would love to hear from you about this episode. Are you a fan of AR? Do you think it's a great tool or a gimmick? And what are your best examples where you have found AR genuinely useful or genuinely terrible? <laughs> so head over to obandco.uk slash 259. You'll find my details over there. You'll find some additional listening over there and a few images and videos of great AR examples. Plus, of course, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, but more about that later on. So head over to obandco.uk slash 259. So let's start by thinking about the rise of AR. Smartphones are commonplace now, and they have hugely advanced cameras, both forward-facing and backwards-facing. Computing power and AI processing has advanced enormously. And back in 2016, we saw these two combine as Pokemon Go captured people's attention and imagination. Users randomly and sometimes frantically looking all around them on their screens to find the Pokemon and hopefully not getting themselves into trouble through trespassing or walking into lampposts or other dangers as well in the real world, of course. But Pokemon Go really showed us what could be achieved. It captures people's imaginations, like I said. 
But is there more to AR than just chasing around mythical creatures? Is it just a bit of tech wizardry, a gimmick, if you will? Or are there genuine commercial opportunities? Well, that is definitely in my mind as we dive into today's episode, for sure. But before we get there, there are really blurry lines between the world of augmented reality and virtual reality and even 3D modelling and the metaverse as well. So for the purposes of today, and this is how I view it as well, by the way, I'm going to define AR as an analysis of the real world with then additional information or additional processing to support that. So that might be a social media filter that works out where your face is and overlays some other graphics. It might be product mock-ups, and we're going to get into all these examples. But what we're not talking about is we're not talking about a full 3D world where you put on your VR goggles and you're completely in a virtual world. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about looking at 3D models on a screen where they just exist within, let's say, a 2D virtual world. We are talking about blending the real world with supplementary information and ideas. And this could be in a whole range of different devices, whether it be smartphones, which are, of course, perhaps the most common place, I would say, right now. It could be on a computer monitor. And we've got a few examples as how that works. We've seen products in the past like Google Glass, which haven't quite made it into the mainstream consumer sector just yet. But AR glasses are definitely an important device with this tech trend, let's say. And there are other innovative tech solutions in the pipeline, like smart contact lenses, where you have an augmented reality display or a heads-up display showing all of the time, supplementing the entire real world through your eyes. And augmented reality can work on any of these devices when we think about that definition about blending the real world with supplementary information or ideas. So what sort of things can we do with AR? What is it capable of? The most obvious use case in the world of retail is around viewing and interacting with 3D models placed into the real world. So that could be a real life product, you know, putting an armchair in your living room. It could have a creative element, for example, having a rocket ship blast off from your table. It could be around an interactive character or an animal. You know, there are AR apps that allow you to have a pet dragon, for example. Could be around virtual games, playing chess where there is no chessboard. And there are also lots of use cases around actually viewing and interacting with 3D models for experimental learning. So you can understand the structure and the makeup of things, be that a heart or an engine or another product, right? And whilst those examples are of 3D items, you could easily expand those 3D models to expand the realm of possibility for learning. Traditionally, mundane things to learn could be made hugely more engaging, right, in a 3D world that you get to explore. So viewing and interacting with 3D models in the real world is definitely an important capability for AR. We're definitely going to explore that today but it can also be used for measuring and navigation, whether that be understanding your location and your direction, measuring distances and lengths, recognizing features like buildings, for example, and displaying additional information, 
and taking the real world and adding on more information based on all of these different elements, whether it is directions or interesting facts, all sorts of different things. And then the final capability for AR, which is one that isn't that widely used in my opinion, but has a big opportunity, is around adjusting reality. Now, this could be around translating written foreign language, but there are also big opportunities to help, for example, visually impaired people to see things more clearly, whether that be adjusting the colours and the contrasts of real life items to help people that don't have that perfect eyesight, shall we say, whether that's expanding text using audio readouts, or just making things easier to see based on a given medical condition or disability. So lots of different use cases, and I'm sure you've seen some other AR capabilities as well. So do let me know what you are making of this world of AR. But there is absolutely lots of hype, and technically, it is pretty cool. It is pretty amazing, right? But even though we can do this, we have a way to create all these amazing things. Why are we doing it? Well, we want to understand and analyze the real world. We want to get more out of the real world. We want to be able to imagine things and visualize things, products, people, places at a meaningful scale in a convenient place for us, right? We can use it for fun and engagement, and we can use it as a useful tool to help us. But when we start to think about the commercial viability of AR, I would suggest it gets a little bit cloudier. There are very few businesses that have direct revenue from augmented reality. And I would suggest that actually Pokemon Go remains the best example. What is it? Seven years later, right? So we really need to think very carefully about any AR application or prospective AR application. What is the customer value? What is the commercial value? And is there any CSR value as well? Especially thinking around sustainability elements. So keep those three angles in your mind as we dive through some different examples around where AR is in use right now. And then we're going to explore a few potential ways that we could see AR developing going forward. So let's start with the world of fashion and cosmetics, probably the area with the most different examples in the retail sector. And here we're thinking about being able to use it for clothing, where suddenly you can see yourself or someone else wearing a different outfit. We use it for cosmetics and being able to try different types of makeup, different shades and different designs and changing our hair colour instantly. We use it for trying on glasses, spectacles, working out which pair of shades look best, or considering if I like a particular pair of glasses. We can use it for trying on shoes. We point our smartphone down towards our feet and see what that pair of Nike trainers looks like on our feet right now. And all of these different use cases are predominantly driven by the consumer device. It's a single customer using their smartphone or a friend's smartphone to be able to understand what a particular product looks like or feels like. But smart mirrors and digital screens in store are also being used to encourage these virtual try-on use cases. But for the fashion and cosmetics industry, 
Virtual try-on is essentially faster than going to a changing room and trying it on, or ordering something online and waiting to receive the order, whilst of course, as a customer, having to put down your money, and then as a retailer, having to process the return because it's not quite right or whatever. But nevertheless, a 3D model used in this augmented reality way still lacks lots of important aspects. We don't fully trust the colour that we see on a screen compared to the real-life product colour. The sizes are not guaranteed. We can't touch and feel the materials used. We can't see how products flow, for example, if we're talking about a coat or feel the weight of a pair of glasses, let's say. These are all important buying considerations. And so whilst AR can simulate the look, right now, we can't simulate the feel. But nevertheless, the virtual fitting room market is projected to grow enormously from around $4 billion today. By 2030, it's forecast to hit around $20 billion, quite the growth rate over the next few years. But the fashion and cosmetics industry is not just about virtual try-ons. The Adidas store uses smart mirrors to be able to help customers to look at product details and request additional sizes or variants, really with a view of increasing conversion and basket size and making a few upsells and cross-sells. There are more and more skin analysis use cases, which may sometimes be missed as AR, but based on my explanation earlier on, I'm claiming it, it definitely is AR. And here you can use a camera, be that a camera in a store or your own smartphone camera to analyze the real life photo of yourself or your skin, for example, and then augment it with additional information. And from this skin analysis, make a series of recommendations around, for example, the best cosmetics or the best moisturizers. And I suspect we'll start to see more and more of these analysis type use cases for other areas of the body or life and other conditions, you know, whether it be what shampoo would best match your hair or even diagnosing a particular medical condition. So from a customer point of view, for the fashion and cosmetics industry, really, it's about making a product aspirational, getting people to be excited about the product, help them understand the product. But as mentioned earlier, it's not good enough just yet to be able to guarantee a particular product purchase and whether that is a suitable product just yet. From a commercial benefit, there's huge opportunity to increase conversion and reduce returns, especially for those items where a customer is prospectively looking. And actually, especially if you're starting to apply returns fees, this could be super valuable, both to ease the operational strain, but also stop customers making that return of a speculative buy when they could have tried it on virtually, for example. And from a CSR, those reduced returns are going to help remove unnecessary shipping and perhaps unnecessary product wastage as well. And virtual try-on can also be used in the product development lifecycle as well to be able to get internal support or to be able to engage suppliers or vendors in or with the product before samples have been made and shipped around the world, decided they're not quite right, and sent back, etc., etc. Let's move on to a different category now. Let's think about homeware and interiors. 
IKEA are of course the classic example here and they've been doing this for a number of years, using augmented reality to mock up a piece of furniture in your real life room. So you can drop in a new table and chairs or a lamp into a particular room in your house or wherever and get a feel for the style, the size. It helps you to imagine this product, which is a difficult product to sometimes visualize. And even in the e-commerce world, it's very difficult to be able to, let's say, I'm going to speculatively order a table to see if it's nice and fits nicely. Of course, you're not going to do that. So it helps to visualize. And this is a really important element in this sector. Turning it around, I love what Wayfair are doing right now with their Decorify app, which can use a photo of your room and it can instantly redecorate it from the walls, the ceiling, the flooring, and of course, all of the furniture. And this can be fantastic to get inspiration for overhauling or renovating your home in particular. And of course, that finished room that Wayfair shows you is so tantalizingly close is furnished with products from Wayfair's catalogue with simple click-throughs to buy easily. And again, I love how Wayfair are using this photo analysis and generative inspiration, I suppose, to really get you to consider what is possible and get you excited again about the products and about the finished article. Not just, here's this new sofa or couch, but actually, here is my new living room. And I think this type of technology could be great for the categories we spoke about earlier, fashion and cosmetics, for example, a virtual makeover instantly to get you to consider, well, what if? What if I was more open to different styles of clothes? It could help prompt what if I used my imagination, right? And you've got other companies that are using room visualizing AR to, again, take a photo and, for example, instantly add wallpaper to your room to see if you like the style and the pattern and the size among your existing furniture, for example. And for these different use cases, the commercial side here is really around helping a customer to imagine the product in their home, as well as driving awareness of the range and recommending suitable products, as we saw in Wayfair's example. From the customer point of view, it's making a big decision be that a new piece of furniture or a complete redecoration, a little less risky. You already have a feeling that this room that you're working towards is going to work before you shell out and put all of the effort and, of course, the money into place as well. And from a CSR point of view, again, it's helping to remove the unnecessary shipping for speculative purchases. Now, in a furniture world, this is much less than, say, fashion. But even if someone did order a massive piece of furniture that they didn't like, the lifespan of that furniture, you know it's not going to last the full amount of time. So from a CSR angle, there's that side as well. From the toy category, Lego have used AR in a number of different ways, most obviously to be able to quickly visualize models based on the box. So you can scan a particular product box and suddenly you can see what that model, castle or airport or whatever it is, will look like in full 3D when it's built. Now, for me, I'm not sure on this use case. I'm wondering if it takes some of the mystique out of the process of building the Lego model. 
but perhaps it builds the excitement in the same way that the images on the box do. What do you reckon? Lego have also been exploring and experimenting with AR, for example, in their collaborative pop-up in partnership with Snap. It was a completely empty store, but when you're in the store and you apply the proverbial AR lens, it brings everything into focus and suddenly you can see the merchandise, the displays, and engage with different content in this completely empty room. And there are other use cases as well, but let's shift this up. Let's think about the actual act of shopping, inspired by that Lego example. I like what M&S are doing in terms of experimenting with AR for wayfinding in-store, helping customers to find their way around a particular store through directions and pointers. Now, this can be especially useful for customers if they're not familiar with the layout, but it can also be absolutely amazing for customers who are perhaps less abled to navigate the store safely. And as you start to apply some of those different AR capabilities, for example, translating foreign languages, then it could be a huge help. And commercially, this can be useful because you're helping remove friction from the shopping trip, which in turn should encourage customers to shop more frequently. But you could definitely argue that actually, if you're looking at your phone as you're walking around, for example, a grocery store, you're not looking at the rest of the products on display. You are not being inspired by that random purchase of a particular category that you didn't expect to buy, but you thought, oh, that's a good deal. Oh, I could do with some of that, actually. So that could go two ways for sure. But of course, customers are only going to engage with it if it's useful for them, right? There are alternatives around. From a brand marketing perspective, we've got AR billboards where you can hold your phone up and see an advertisement come to life with graphics that make it look like the artwork is bursting out in 3D, for example. And whilst this is technically incredibly clever, and I'm sure you've seen lots of videos on social media about different billboards like this, perhaps with a lion jumping out or a car smashing through or a shark in the fish tank. After it's been done once, does a customer really want to engage with that particular poster or billboard? You know, are you going to re-review it every time you go back? Or actually, does it become proverbial advertising wallpaper that, oh, that's cool, but I've seen that already. Do you have to refresh that advertisement more regularly? Or do you miss out on that repetitive brand marketing? And then on a similar angle, AR can be used for educational and creative experiences, whether that be 3D art exhibitions to help make your own art, for example, in a local space, which can be incredibly engaging and great for community building, as well as catching up with your friends and seeing what you can do. Lego use it at their theme park to help make a particular ride spring to life and help customers, or I should say theme park visitors, engage with the characters and hopefully engage with making a few purchases in the store at the end of the day. And I also love what, in particular, Dallas Cowboys, who were the first I saw this doing, Dallas Cowboys allow you to take a photo and be photobombed by some of their star players via augmented reality, of course. <laughs> so there are loads of different use cases, but what does the future for AR hold? Well, firstly, let's think about this from the concerns. There are absolutely going to be 
increased privacy concerns around what data is captured and how it's cross-referenced, where data is being shared, how it is being used and accessed by potentially anyone. And with that, unfortunately, we do need to think about what would unethical use of AR be? Could this technology be used to help unscrupulous people, whether that be a criminal app to quickly value what to nick, whether that be specking out different targets? Who knows? I'm not that minded, of course, but it could be pretty scary, right? From an operational angle, though, in a positive light, you know, there are loads of opportunities here, albeit with a few privacy concerns along the way, as I'm sure you'll come to. You know, could you use it to help find stock in a back room or in a warehouse? Could you use it to overlay a new merchandising plan in your aisle? Could you use it to help identify where to replenish a particular product or where the gaps are on shelf? Could it be used to monitor process compliance? Could it alert you to warnings around which areas of the store are most out of stock? Could it spot that stray grape on the floor that could encourage a slip, trip or fall? Could it highlight the potential shoplifters to you based on their behaviours? Could you recognise customers through facial recognition and be able to access all of their order history to encourage better service? There are loads of different opportunities here in an operational sense. Taking data that, of course, is rich throughout the retail industry and serving it to colleagues or store associates in particular in an engaging way at a relevant time and in a relevant setting. How can we use content as an additional factor for AR as well? And equally, how can we use AR for more post-purchase support, whether that's around tutorials or troubleshooting or even providing style advice and encouraging customers to explore the range further and make that next purchase or make even more of their current purchase. We could see AR being used for personal assistance, both for us and for our colleagues and of course for consumers as well. With the power of AI, could it help us to make sensible decisions more effectively based on what we see, whether that be analysing data or even observing body language, right, in a particular meeting. We could think about how AR could help us to learn, especially in a contextual way. Snackable little lessons that shows you exactly what to do at the moment where they're needed most. And of course, the future of AR is not just limited by the use cases, but the technology plays a part as well. We've seen some early innovations about smart contact lenses which could absolutely make their way into the consumer market, although it's more likely to be led by a mass market AR-enabled glasses product, like Google Glasses. That may come from Snap, it may come from Meta or Apple, or of course Google or any of the other tech companies out there. But I'd love to ask you, what do you reckon about the future of AR? Is it here to stay? Does it add sufficient value? And where would you love to see it applied? I would love to hear from you. I genuinely would. I think it's such an interesting topic. Loads of people have different opinions. And of course, it's still emerging and it's still very much developing. So I've got a few closing thoughts to share with you in just a moment. But if you have enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you could share it on social media. Do share some of your thoughts on AR 
as inspired by some of those questions I've asked you in today's episode. And do remember to tag me in as well. And if you'd like a little refresher of those questions, then head over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 259. Over there, I'll include those question prompts for you, as well as a few different examples and some suggested episodes to check out next. Also on the show notes, you can sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, which is my weekly email newsletter exploring the key headlines from the world of retail transformation. New trials, new ideas, a few new AR applications along the way, of course, plus expert insight from myself and from others as well. And you can sign up to the Retail Transformation Briefing completely for free. So head on over to obandco.uk slash 259 right now. So let's wrap this up. AR can create incredibly engaging experiences and help consumers to shop, help businesses to reduce returns, and it can add value throughout the shopping trip. But it's easy to be wooed and wowed by what is technically possible. It may be something that is really clever, but doesn't really help customers or add value to the business, for example. And it must be technically well achieved, or else there is a risk that a bad AR experience could put off a potential customer. And I think that is more likely, unfortunately, than the chance to win a customer who is on the fence and not going to buy. But again, I'd love to hear from you. But you must consider with all of AR, you know, how is it useful for the customer or for the business? Or is it maybe just a gimmick that can be shortcutted, right? Is it helping a customer to make that buying decision? Is it helping them to convert? Is it helping to prevent future returns? And ultimately, is it helping a customer to decide if a product is for them or not? Or actually, is it more likely to scare off a potential customer? If that AR is not working or doesn't clearly represent the product, maybe you're giving a customer a reason not to buy, or maybe you're setting expectations in an unrealistic way that is going to lead to a return or a complaint. So you do need to be super careful because AR is very clever and it can help the shopping trip if used in the right way. We've just got to do that though, right? (laughs) We've got to use it in the right way to add value to that intended consumer of the AR. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you as always and I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. And in the meantime, I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.